Hey, how are you? Again, my name is Sean Payne, church planning resident. I, I have moved a little up from the apprentice, and I just want, I want to say apprentice every time, but I did it right. So what we did today in community time, we asked you a question. The question was, tell about a time you got lost, like really lost. And I was thinking about this, and the better question I think for me is, have you ever got lost using Google Maps? Anybody? <laughs> yeah? So back in the day, I used to use paper maps, and I would get lost using paper maps, um, which I get because it's a paper map. But has anybody, has anybody still used paper maps? Anybody ever in here? Has, is there anybody here that has never heard of a, has never seen a paper map? Anybody? All right. So guess what? If you're using a paper map and the road change, and they change the roads, you got to buy a new map. But now we've got all this great technology, and Mark even kind of mentioned it. We got Google Maps, we've got Apple Maps, and they automatically update, but they'll still take us to the wrong places. What's up with that? So I was reading this article the other day, and I was just thinking about this message, and I was reading an article about Google Maps. It is entitled, Are you ready? Yes, you can say yes. The times people got seriously lost following Google Maps. And it was funny, man. There was a ton of stuff. But one kind of stuck out to me. And so there was a wreck near the Denver International Airport in Denver, Colorado. So there was a wreck one day. And what do people do? They got on Google Maps and they started looking, what is the best way to get around this thing? And so Google Maps says there's a shortcut. So it's going to take... It's going to go from like 40-some minutes to 20-some minutes. And so obviously, if you're going to cut half the time, people are going to take, they're going to take that path. But here's the kicker. Google Maps takes over 100 cars down a narrow dirt road, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and they didn't know that. It rained, and so one car gets stuck. And you can bring up the, the picture there. One car gets stuck. Another car gets stuck until you got 100 cars that are all stuck. Nobody can go anywhere. They're just there. So 40 minutes went to, I don't know, hours, I guess. So these people, what was happening is they trusted Google Maps to take them to the right place. But because they relied on the wrong information from Google, they got stuck. And a similar thing was happening in the, in the church in a city called Colossae which we see in a book of the Bible, and the book of the Bible is called Colossians. It's a letter to the church in Colossae. Good job. There were a couple. All right. And it was written by a guy named Paul. And Paul, he's sitting in prison writing this thing. And if you've got a Bible or if you've got a Bible app, if you need a Bible, there are some out here, in, out, right out here. But we're going to be in chapter 1 in Colossians. So kind of like Google Maps, when Google Maps messes up, there were these false teachers in Colossae that, that would, they were blending teachings from the Jews, they were blending with, with teachings from the Greeks, with teachings from Christians, followers of Jesus even, uh, that were not true about Jesus. So kind of like Google Maps when it messes up. We had the wrong info. And so Paul, he writes this letter because the church in Colossae, they, they needed to stop listening to all the wrong information and know who Jesus really was so that they could put truth into practice and live for him and become more and more like him. Here's the question. Do you know who Jesus really is? 
Think about it. Do you know who Jesus really is? So we, we get to start a series next week, and it's called Uncomplicated. And we're, what we get to do is we get to go through the entire Bible, which is going to be so cool. But today, today, like we've got all of God's Word. They didn't have all. They had the Old Testament, basically. And so we've got the Old Testament. We've got, we've got which is before Jesus came to earth. We've got the New Testament, which is after Jesus came to earth. But we tend to put God in the Old Testament, and we put Jesus in the New Testament. But the truth is, the whole Bible, guess what? Points to Jesus. And before we can understand and see Jesus in the whole Bible, we can't just rely on what other people say. We have to know who Jesus really is. So how are we going to find out who Jesus really is? Paul wanted the church in Colossae to know the same thing. Paul knew that if the church knew more about Jesus, they could live more like Jesus. And in Colossians chapter 1, Paul's going to take us back to the beginning, not just to the first verse of the Bible that says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But he's going to take us back even further. Paul is going to take us back before creation, before the beginning, And today, we're going to look at three truths about Jesus that tell us who Jesus really is. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the first one. Are you ready? The first one is, the first truth is, Jesus is the creator. And if you're not taking notes, or if you've already wrote it, I'm going to read it again, but I want you to say it with me. Ready? Jesus is the creator. So we're going to start in verse 15. Paul tells the church that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So you might be thinking right now, like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? What is Paul talking about? So Paul's telling the Colossians that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. When we think about the word image, we might think about something that's similar or a replica, like a car that looks like the real thing, but it's not the real thing. But Jesus, I just want to tell you, today, Jesus isn't a replica of God that looks like the real thing. He is the real thing. Paul, he doesn't say that Jesus is an image of God. He says that Jesus is the image of God. And in the uh, New Living Translation, it kind of sums it up like this. It says, Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. Jesus took a nap. Man. (laughs) Jesus walked on water. God. Jesus was fully God, and he was fully man. And in Hebrews 1.3, the writer says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory, an exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by the powerful word. Powerful word. And this, this can be a little confusing, too, but it brings us back to what we might know as the Trinity. And so we've got one. There is only one God in three persons. God the Father. Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Y'all are doing great, by the way. Paul, he goes on to say that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. So to, to us, being the firstborn means what? It means we're born, we're born first. <laughs> but this isn't what Paul's saying at all. He wrote this letter to a different culture. So when you're reading the Bible, you've got to think about these things. Like, you can't just... Put your culture into what they're saying because 
they lived uh, they lived a long time ago and they had a different culture. And if we're going to understand what it means, we've got to put ourselves into their culture. Being the firstborn, it didn't mean birth order. It meant rank. It meant that they'll inherit everything and they'll lead. And King David, think about King David. If you know who he is in the Bible, King David, he was given the title firstborn, but he was the youngest of all his brothers. Some people, though, argue that because Jesus is the firstborn, that he was created. But Jesus wasn't created because Jesus is God. In John 10, 30, Jesus, he says this. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. So if Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, Jesus rules and he's in charge of absolutely everything. Way back before Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, this is, this is what was written in Psalm 89, verse 27. And I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. And so now that you know that Jesus is God, do you know that? We got some head nods. Will this change the way that you think? Or has it already, is it changing the way you're thinking right now? Earlier, I mentioned the first verse of the Bible, which is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If Jesus is God, the question is, did Jesus create? Paul, he knew, he knew that the Colossians would probably ask the same question. So in the first part of verse 16, Paul says this. He says, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. For in him all things were created. It means that Jesus did the creating. It, it means that he created everything. And this wasn't just the physical stuff that we can see with our own eyes. This is, this is even the stuff that we can't see. This is the spiritual. This is things in heaven and earth, the visible and invisible. And Hebrews Chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, tells us that in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. That's awesome. And you might be thinking, <laughs> you might be thinking, this still doesn't make a whole lot of sense, Sean. And maybe you thought, only God created. But God, this is what happened. God actually planned everything out, and Jesus made it happen. Kind of like when an architect designs a building, and a builder or a contractor, Mark, builds it or brings it to life, right? And in the second part of verse 16, Paul also says, he says, all things have been created through him, that's that he created, and for him. All things were created for Jesus because Jesus is the goal. And it's not for our glory. It's for, it's for his glory. But to back this up, and I love just, I love adding all the scripture in so that, so that you know it's, it's the word that is backing all this up. You know, it's not just Sean saying things. Um, so what I'd say to that is, please read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. And that's why all of this scripture is being put in here. And so... Let's see. Yeah. You got Romans. Come on up. Yeah. To back this up, Romans eleven thirty six. Paul prays this. 
So Paul's praying and he says, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Verse 17. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. So if you hadn't figured it out yet, everybody, it's all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about you. It is about him. But how is Jesus before all things? You might be thinking some of these things already, but how is Jesus before all things? So in John 17, 5, Jesus himself says, And now, Father, here we go. All right. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. I jumped ahead a little bit there. So if you haven't figured it out, like I said, it is all about Jesus. So in John 17, 5, Jesus says this. He says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. You hear that? Before the world began. Before creation. And in John 17, 24, Jesus says this. He says, Father, he says, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you gave, you have given me because you love me. Get it? Before the creation of the world. And because God existed before the creation of the world, and because Jesus is the visible God, Jesus existed before the beginning. And John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, really sums this up. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word in this case, you might not know. The Word in this case is Jesus. So in the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word, Jesus, was God. And was with God. And the Word, Jesus, was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. You hear that? <clears throat> Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. So Jesus is over absolutely everything, and he's first in everything. And here's a question. Think about this. But is Jesus first in your life? The Colossians, they had a hard time putting Jesus first in their lives because they didn't know who Jesus really was. But now that we, like you and I right now, now that we're learning who Jesus really is, we won't have any excuses. We're not going to have any excuses after today, folks. I promise. We either live for him or we don't live for him. The last part of verse 17 says that in him all things hold together. And I guess that was out of order. So Jesus created us, but he also sustains us. And what this means, sustaining us, it means that he helps us endure. He helps us keep going. And Tony Evans says this. He says, if things are falling apart in your life, which they very well might be right now, it might just be because Jesus doesn't hold the preeminent or the supreme position in your heart. As creator that we know Jesus is now, Jesus is he's actively involved in your life. Like right now, Jesus is actively involved in our lives and is in complete control. And in verse 18, we get to learn more about who Jesus really is. And the second truth, and you can write this down, now, because I'm going to make you recite it, is that Jesus is the head of the church. You ready? Jesus is the head of the church. And in the first part of verse 18, Paul says, he says, and he is the head of the body, the church. That's kind of, that's what it is. 
So I've seen, I've seen this in all kinds of churches, but many people have been led to believe that the pastor of a local church is actually the head of the church. And what I would say to that is wrong, <laughs> wrong. Because the pastor, what the pastor does is the pastor shepherds the local church as an under-shepherd under Jesus. And if you're given your life to Jesus, you're part of the body. So a lot of us in here are part of the body. And as head, what happens is Jesus actually governs the body and is the source of life for the body. So Jesus governs us, the body, and is the source of life for us, the body. And because we're people, because we're selfish, anybody, a person in here, anybody selfish? No hands? <laughs> I saw a hand or two. And because we often want our way, we might think that we are actually the head of the church. And if we don't get our way, guess what we do? We go to another church. And then guess what? We think we're the head of the church. And then what happens? We get mad and we go to another church. The church belongs to Jesus. It's not about us. It's all about him. This is what Paul wanted the church in Colossae to see, that the false teachers weren't representing Jesus well at all. And they sure weren't the head of the church. They might have thought they were the head of the church, but they weren't. Um, and just like we need Jesus to be first in our lives, we just talked about that a second ago. We need him to be first in the church. We need him to be first here in the local church in Life Spring. Because if, if he's not first, things fall apart. And in the second part of verse 18, Paul also, Paul also told them, the, the, the Colossian church, he says, He, being Jesus, is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So what does this mean? <laughs> you're looking at the verse and you're thinking, what does this mean? When Jesus, when he died on the cross for us and was buried, three days later, what happened? He was res resurrected. It just means he came back to life. Think about that. It's not just a movie, folks. This is true. He came back to life. And we learned earlier that Jesus is the firstborn of creation, but he's also the firstborn of the resurrection. Not long after he rose from the dead, the church came to life. And now that we all know Jesus is the head of the church, we have to let him be the head of the church. Pray, do this. Pray, have an honest conversation with God and just say, what do you want? Jesus, what do you want? What do you want to do here in this place with these people, with this body? So what do you think would happen in the church? In life spring, if we just let go, if we let him have control and we let him lead, what would happen? But why would we do this is another question. So in the very last part of verse 18, Paul says, he answers the question. He says, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. And the last truth I want you to see is that Jesus is the rescuer from the cross. You ready? Jesus is the rescuer from the cross. So starting in verse 19, Paul, he wants the church in Colossae to see even more of who Jesus really is. And verse 19 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. The NLT of the New Living Translation says it sli slightly differently. Kind of brought it together for me is, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. 
And in Colossians 2, 9, Paul says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity, this is God, this is the deity, lives in bodily form, Jesus. So God, he was pleased. He was pleased to have every little bit of himself living in Jesus. And because God's fullness was living in Jesus, verse 20 can happen. And we don't, we don't have to see verse 19, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to read in, I'm going to read 19 into verse 20 so it makes sense together. So for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by, by making peace through blood shed on the cross. So Jesus, he reconciled us to God. So you're thinking, okay. What does this mean? What does reconcile mean? Here, what reconcile means, it means to restore. It means to bring back. Like bring us back to God, it means to make peace. But why do we even need to be reconciled? And if, you haven't, if you're here and you haven't yet given your life to Jesus, why would you need to be reconciled to God or brought back to God? This brings us all the way back to the beginning. God and Jesus, they created a perfect world. With no sin, no death, no pain. And Adam, the first man, and Eve, the first woman, had everything, absolutely everything they could possibly ask for. Until one day, a snake shows up. This is Satan. So Satan shows up. God, earlier, he says, he told him not to eat from one specific tree in the garden out of a bunch of, bunch of trees. And the tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good. You got it. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But guess what happened? They ate the fruit. Man, they did. And sin or rebellion, sin is rebellion against God. It's completely turning away from God and entering the world. And because God is so holy, this means he's set apart. He can't be near sin at all. And now what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to actually jump to Colossians 1, verse 21, where Paul, what he does is he, he starts to talk directly to the Colossian believers, and he reminds them that their lives were, uh, how their lives were before they were reconciled or before they were brought back to God. So let's check it out. Paul says in verse 21, he says, once, and this, once is, this is the past. He says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, so before the Colossian believers decided to live their lives for Jesus, what were they doing? They were living in sin. And this just means, again, that they were rebelling against God. They were turning away from God and went the other way. And guess what? I turned away from God and went the other way. And guess what? You turned away from God and went the other way. And because we were born into sin and lived for anything but God, Paul says this in Romans 6.23. He says... For the wages of sin is death. This is serious stuff. But the gift of God is eternal life, and this is forever life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's only son, Jesus, Jesus the, the visible God, he died. He died for us. He died a painful, humiliating, just uh, I can't even imagine how horrible this death could have been. But he died this death on the cross. He took our sin, our turning away from him, he took it all on himself so we can have a right and peaceful relationship with God again. 
And because he loves us so much, because he loves you, because he loves you so much, he made a way to, to bring us all back to himself through Christ, not holding our sins or our rebellion against us. And, and this is what Paul says in verse 22. He says, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish or, and free from accusation. So church, Jesus died so that we can live. Remember that. Jesus died so we can live. So in verse 23, Paul says this. He says, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Then he says, this is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So the church, of, the church in Colossae, they now know who Jesus really is, like we do right now. And Paul's given them this challenge, and it's, it's all still true today for us. This is true. Paul's saying, you now know the truth. So, so don't stop believing. He's saying, stand firm in the gospel, the good news that you heard. He says, don't let false teachers, even Google Maps, give you the wrong information and take you further away from the truth. Live to be more like Jesus every day. Church, this is so other people can see that we're different and that we want... We want, we want people to know the hope that is in us because of Jesus. We want other people to see Jesus because of us. And while you're at it, tell other people about Jesus and how he's changed your life. So to bring it all together, we can live completely for Jesus because we know who Jesus really is. He is the creator, head of the church, and rescuer from the cross. And because Jesus existed before the beginning, he's first in everything. And I'm going to ask the question again. Is Jesus first in your life? Or maybe you haven't let Jesus into your life yet. And if you hadn't given your life to Jesus, if you haven't said yes to just living completely for him, saying yes, I'm going to tell you right now, saying yes is, will be the biggest, it'll be the best decision you've ever made, ever. Trust me. <laughs> you can do it now. You can do that right now. And what you're probably thinking is you might be saying, you know, I'm feeling the pool. Like, I feel like I have to say yes, but I don't know how. I don't know what to do right now. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be thinking. That's okay. And with head, so heads bowed and eyes closed, so everybody... Bow your head, close your eyes. So if you don't know what to do, say something like this. Say, say, God, <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> God, I know that I've been I've been going the other way. I've I've been trusting in other things. I really haven't known who Jesus is. But God, um, I, I know that I need something different. Like, this is not working in my life. These things that I'm doing are just, just dragging me down. And God, I, I, need, I need a change. God, you can say this. God, forgive me. 
I know I've done things wrong. Uh, will you forgive me for what I've done and 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 what I'm thinking right right now? Even God, forgive me. Uh, God, I believe that Jesus that Jesus came to Earth as a man, that He was the visible God. I believe that, and I believe that that He died for me. I might not understand all of that right now. But God, I, I believe it. I know he died. I know he rose from the, from the dead three days later. And God, uh, God, I, I want to get to know you. Father God, just want to thank you so much for this time together. Lord, Lord, again, we need you, and I just can't say it enough, God, um, because, we, God, when we, when we start to think things today and start to just take control of what, we're, what people are doing and, and, and what's going on around us, God, help us remember that, that you, you're in complete control. We just have to let, we just have to let you. We've got to let go, and we've got to let you take, take it. God, because we know you can, we've seen it time and time again in people's lives, Lord. God, thank you for teaching us who Jesus truly is, that he's not just a, a man that walked the earth in the New Testament that we read about. He is, he, he is God in visible form. He's God that came to earth to save us completely. God, I thank you for that. Lord, most importantly, I'm, I'm I'm praying right now that you're changing hearts, that you're, you're transforming lives right now. God, and um, we love you. We need you. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.